0: excited for the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. We're going to be reading in Matthew tonight, and I struggle with the name of this sermon tonight, but uh, matter of fact, the song you did before is all over this sermon. I can't even remember the name now, but you go back to it, because that's the one you need to be doing. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 23. It says, now when he got... Into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. I've preached this sermon before. Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. He's asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. I don't think it was quiet, Michelle. I think it was loud. They, they, were, they were scared to death, afraid. My mom says, don't say scared. They were a scared. Next verse says, But he said to them, Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. <laughs> so the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? that even the winds and the sea obey him. I want to preach for just a few minutes with the thought, give it all to Jesus. When you've come to your wit's end, give it all to Jesus. You know, it seems to be easy when we come to our wit's end, we don't have the money, when we don't have the answer to go to Jesus, then make him your first choice, not your last resort. Give it all to Jesus. Would you pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. It's alive. It's relevant for today. I thank you for this word in particular. It's a rhema word for tonight, Father, and I thank you for it. I ask you, Lord, to touch our hearts, that we'll be open and receptive to your word, that the seed of the word will go deep into our hearts. Father, anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost to be bold in speaking your word. Let us receive what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. In life, we're faced with all sorts of trouble, all kinds of situations that can get us down. This week is already having its ups and downs for me right here at the church. If you want to talk to me later, I'll expand on that, expound on that, I'll X something on it and just let you know about it. But I want, to, I want to tell you a few things. Can I tell you, can I remind you some things tonight? That when life comes to you as the speed of light, you know the maker of that light. <laughs> you know the maker of the sun. You know the maker of the moon. You know the maker of the stars. That's the light that we know in this world. Or when the darkest night has come upon you, Jesus is still the light that you need. Amen. Can I remind you that when the sea of life is crashing all around and it seems that the waves are going to overtake your vessel, that God still calms the stormy seas? He's still the God that calms the troubled waters. The Henson's had a song years ago, He'll calm the troubled waters of your soul. Amen. Can I tell you that we still know the one that separated the waters and made the dry land to appear way back in Genesis, and He still has that control over nature today? Yes, it's a little water theme tonight. It's a water theme park tonight right here. Can I remind you that when the wind of life is blowing out of control, God is still in control? And He's the master of the wind. Can I remind you that you're not facing anything that has ever, can ever, or will ever frighten God? Wow. Nothing is catching God by surprise. He knows where you're at tonight. He knows what you did today. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Nothing's catching him off guard. So when troubles and trials come your way, and tribulation, situations, I don't know how else to say that. He already knows about it. He cares about it. And he's going to take you through these problems. Nothing's catching God unaware. He knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows the battle that you're facing. He knows the enemy you're up against. He knows the trouble that you're in. He knows the broken relationship. He knows about the physical problems. He knows about the financial issues. He knows the emotional distress that you're in right now. God knows it all. He's waiting for you to give it to him. Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You don't have a closer friend than that. Nobody knows you that well. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and of hope. Matthew 6 and 8 says, For your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask Him. He understands us. He gets us. He cares about us. He loves us. But sometimes... I got it in here twice. But sometimes, when the problems of this world come against us, fear wants to rise up inside of us. Fear wants to dictate how we're going to feel. Fear wants to pull us down and bury us in our dilemmas. And as Christians, we all know the scriptures we're supposed to be quoting. The scriptures we're supposed to be hiding in our hearts. 2 Timothy 1, 7 For God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews 13 and 5b is what I would say. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? (laughs) Psalms 23 and 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I thank God for the word. He lets us know he's with us. He understands us. He cares for us. And better yet, he's going to carry us through these storms of life. We know these scriptures, and they're all true, and they're all a blessing. They're all anointed and inspired word of God that has not, cannot, and will not fail. But fear still tries to lay hold on us and bury us under its weight. We try to carry things we were never intended to carry. We try to do things we're not supposed to do. We try to fix things that we cannot fix. We try with everything that's in us to do the things the best way we know how to do. And God's saying, give it to me. Give it to me. What do you think was happening with them disciples in that boat? Water pouring into that boat. Don't you think they would started a bucket brigade and they were, they were scooping water? They were trying to survive, doing all they knew to do. They were fishermen. They knew what was going on. They knew that water, it couldn't stay in the boat. They were in trouble. We tried to do everything we can do. God said, give it to me. God cares for the things that you care about. <laughs> so why don't we obey the word of God? First Peter 5 and 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Put your trust and faith in God. Cast your cares upon Him. He's got big shoulders. He can handle what you're going through. You can't handle it. Remember that movie? You can't handle the truth. But the truth can handle you if you'll let Him. Let's put our trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The work He did at Calvary. Step out on faith and call things forth that are not yet seen. Let's put our faith and trust in the final words at the cross when He said, It is finished. That word's right there. It is finished. Everything we could ever hope for, dream of, aspire to was finished in Jesus Christ. We need to trust Him. We need to give everything we have over to Him. Matthew chapter 8 starts off with Jesus coming down from the mountain and the multitudes begin to following. And the first thing that happens, He meets a leper. Lord, if you're willing. I've prayed this prayer before. God, if it's your will, I can't do it on my own. I'm messed up. I'm a spiritual leper, Father. But if you will, you can make me clean. Every one of us had to come to that, that point in our life, Father. We got to come to you, confessing our sins. Believing on him to save our soul. This was a physical need this man needed. Matthew 8 and 3 says, Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. What in the world is Jesus doing touching a leper? Doesn't he know he could catch something? He touched him saying, I am willing. (laughs) I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. When we go to God, it takes faith. Whatever situation we're in, it takes faith. God cares for you just as he cared for this leper. It's amazing that this leper had no right by the law to be coming to contact with people. But he was bold enough to go after Jesus. He was bold enough To worship. The scripture before says he worshiped God. He worshiped Jesus. He said, if you will, you can cleanse me. Everything that day said that this man was to stay away from other people so he wouldn't spread this dreaded disease. But his faith was in Jesus and it couldn't stop him. It couldn't stop him from getting to Jesus he was being bold by letting others see him coming to Jesus. He was being bold by going to where Jesus was. He was being bold by asking Jesus to heal him. His trust in Jesus gave him the boldness to receive his miracle. Every time, every time we become bold enough to go to Jesus, go to where Jesus is to begin to worship, not caring what others think or what others may say about us, when we come to Jesus, and ask bold things from him. He's not going to say, no, I can't do it today. I, I'm too busy today. No, you're too bad. I can't, I can't do that for you. I can't touch you. You're a leper. Jesus reached out and touched him. Healing power. <laughs> healing virtue left him. Went into this man. I want you to notice what happened. Jesus put his hand out and touched right in the middle of this man's problem. Reached out and touched him. Nobody's supposed to be touching him. He reached right out and touched in the middle of this man's problem. Jesus was not afraid to touch the leper. Why? He loved him, first of all. He loved him. He cared for him. He cared for him. And guess what? He rewarded his faith. He rewarded his faith. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am willing. He's saying the same thing to us tonight. The I am is saying, I'm willing to heal your broken heart. The I am is saying, I'm willing to repair your finances. The I am is saying, I'm willing that you be healed spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially. All we have to do is to have the courage to go to Him boldly. Asking bold prayers. Stepping out of our comfort zone and into the faith and trust of Jesus. People say, Well, that's just not me. I can't do that. You need to get bolder. You need to become bold. Matthew 8 and 5 says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Wow. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy you should come to under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Wow, we need a word from God. We need a word from God. We need a word from God. One word heals the paralyzed man and uh, dreadfully tormented, healed with one word from Jesus. There's not one of us that are worthy for God to do anything for us. You're not worthy to come to my house, Jesus. It's, it's not that big a deal. I can handle this problem. I, I'm not worthy for you to even do this. Not one of us is worthy of it. But because of his great love, his great mercy, but for his grace, he shows his favor. He shows his favor. Matthew 8 and 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Faith, boldness to go to Jesus in your time of need. God is able. God is willing. Ephesians three twenty. Now that him, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The next few verses in Matthew tell us how Jesus healed Peter's mother in law, how she felt so good that she got up and started fixing supper. Shelly's not been feeling good. Maybe I have to just pray and, and see if Jesus touched you and you fix me supper. <laughs> she said she'll take the healing, but she's not cooking. Jesus continued to minister. He continued to minister that night by casting out demons, the Bible said, with a word, and healing all that were sick. He was fulfilling prophecy in this moment by doing this. Matthew 8 and 18 says, and when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. He gave a command. I say it all the time. There's more than 10 commandments in the Bible. This was another one. He commanded them to, let's depart. Uh, Jesus begins to tell the people uh, there that it would cost them to follow him. He, he, the next few scriptures tell us that. And they say, they say things, well, you know, i got to bury my dead. And they go on and, and, and things like that. These few verses go through that. They had to get their business in order before they could follow Jesus. And how many know that God always has to be first in your life? He has to be first in your life. He's not worried about the dead burying the dead. He's not worried about what you've got going on. He's wanting you to come after him, right? Matthew 6 says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I want to take a jump right here. I'm going to get back to our text. Some of you probably thought I'd forgot where I was going. I didn't. I still know the disciples, we left them in the boat, they're in a bad situation. How many know 2 Timothy 3.16? I love this. This come to my heart today. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It doesn't matter what part of the Word of God we're going through, this is for you tonight. You're watching on Facebook, this is for you tonight. I believe that we can take lessons from each one of these Scriptures like we can the whole Word, but I want to look at these just a little bit closer. Matthew 8, 23. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. First, we need to be obedient. We've seen back in a uh, couple of scriptures ago, he said, let's depart. He's telling them, let's depart. Jesus was saying, load up, boys. It's time to go. Like a posse. Come on, boys. Get loaded up. It's time to go. So they were following him, following his orders. And so the first thing I see It's they were obedient. Jesus saw the great multitude about him. He gave a command to depart to the other side. They heard the command, and they followed him in verse 23. When Jesus speaks, we need to listen. I think it was a commercial for E.F. Hutton when I was a kid. When they speak, everybody would go, huh? Jesus is still speaking, but we want to act like somebody's a, a nutcase if they say, the Lord spoke to me. He's speaking to every one of us every day if we'll just listen. If we'll just listen. By the way, on obedience, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what God tells us to do. It's imperative that we follow after his word. We have to follow what he says to do. Sometimes it don't make sense at all. Don't understand where God's going with it. But we have to be willing to be obedient to him. We need to listen to him next. And that's what they were doing listening and being obedient. We got to shut off the TV. Shut off Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Anything else that's competing with our ear. Listen to what God is speaking. He hasn't stopped talking to us. Don't don't believe that lie. He's still speaking to his children today. Obedience. The disciples were obedient. And when Jesus got into the boat, they followed after him. Whatever Jesus is doing, That's what I want to be doing. I want to be part of it. Whether I understand it or not, I want to follow after Jesus. They may not have known why they were leaving so soon, but they were just obedient. They followed after Jesus. Matthew 8 24. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. The sermon I preached was He's in the back of the boat, but he's asleep. This is a different sermon. Now imagine for a moment that someone's sleeping through all this hands-on-deck situation. Like I said, they were probably bailing water and everything else. And Jesus is asleep. Are you getting, I want you to get a mental picture of this. Jesus is not in some cabin of a, a cruise boat, a cruise ship. I, I've been in them cabins, and, and, and that's not what Jesus was in. He wasn't yachting. He wasn't on some yacht in, the, in this plush place. He was on a boat exposed to the winds and waves that were going on. Blew your mind, didn't I? I just thought he was on the cruise ship, the love boat. That's, that's God, right? The love boat. He wasn't on a yacht. He wasn't on a houseboat. He wasn't in the cabin of some big ship. He's just laid out there in the elements with everyone else. And I want you to remember that because I'm going to come back to it in a minute. One of the things we have to have, though, no matter what you're going through, We have to have Jesus in the boat. He has to be in the boat with us. I want Jesus in the boat that I'm floating in for sure. I want him to be close to me while I ride out the storms of life. I want Jesus so close that when sudden and a great tempest blows, I can reach out and touch him. Say, Jesus, we're in trouble. Jesus, I need you. When the world's overwhelming me, I want to be so close to him that I can reach out and feel him. I can reach out and touch him. It remind me of a story with my boys. When they were little, they would sleep with Shelly and I, and especially during storms. And probably the truth be told, they'd probably all come sleep with us again. We'd let them. But in the middle of the night, I could feel them reaching out to touch me. Sometimes it was their little foot, and it would just, just rub across my leg or something. Sometimes it was just their hand touched me. Sometimes I think they had a jackhammer right in my ribs wanted to know I was there. They wanted to make sure that dad was at their little hand just reaching over and touching me gave, me, gave them the comfort that they needed that everything was going to be all right. They just wanted to make sure they were protected, they were covered, they were loved by their daddy, and he hasn't left them, he hasn't forsaken them. He would be there in the morning when the light was shining in. By the way, I told you I'd come back to this. Jesus shows us that while a storm is raging... We can still be at rest. <laughs> he's asleep. How many know some sound sleepers? Jesus was a sound sleeper as a human being. I'm just telling you. You can be at rest. You can be at rest. Wow. A crazy storm is happening, and Jesus is resting, and he's at peace. The wind's howling, the rain's beating down on them, the boats rocking. No doubt disciples are shouting and, and bailing water. And Jesus, he's at rest. We can be the same as Jesus. We can be at rest when we're going through storms, when the waves are hitting us, when the wind's blowing, when the rain's pouring down on us. We can be at peace in the middle of the time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. Rest through the storm. Matthew eight twenty five. 25 then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. I want you to know this is a true story. It was a real storm. They were in a real boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was really asleep in the boat because he was exhausted from ministering. Jesus was in the flesh, and he was tired. All right? I want you to understand they, they've tried everything, and now it's time to go to the source. They come to the end of themselves if it's time to give all to Jesus. I can't do it. I realize I'm bailing water, but it's getting worse. I've got to have Jesus. Storms are a great time to give things over to Jesus. I've said it before, and I'll probably say it again. If the disciples would have just thought for a second, if we go down and drown, Jesus is going down with us. If they just thought for a second, and the first thing I'm thinking about when I was reading that today, I thought, aren't we the same way? If we just think for a second, he's in control. He knows what's going on. Maybe he's just waiting for us to call out to him. So, God, I've tried everything. I need you. I need you. I'm in a troubled moment. Wow. Can I tell you that Jesus is not going down with the boat, and neither are you. Praise the Lord The disciples were human beings just like us They saw miracles, they saw blessings They saw healings And they saw Jesus doing all these things But yet their faith had wavered And fear struck them Is that good? Struck them? Struck them It snuck in We think fear is all gone And somehow sometimes it just creeps back in We didn't even realize We let fear take over again Matthew 8, 26 said, But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Jesus was so loving to his disciples, wasn't he? He was. He was also kind of, um, I don't know, I don't want to say mean, but he got to the point with them. I, I get to the point with my kids, Right? Um, I'm made in God's likeness, so are you. I I got to think about this today. I feel the same way sometimes on the baseball field. I'm sitting there thinking about these kids. Why are you so fearful? I asked one kid the other day, I said, why are you so afraid of success? I don't know. I said, swing the bat. Swing the bat. Eight games, you've swung the bat one time. In all your at-bats, you've swung one time. Swing the bat. What are you afraid of? Swing the bat. There's more to that story. If you want to hear that, I'll tell it later. God did a work last night. I'll just tell you that. Why are you so fearful? Swing the bat. Good things happen when you swing the bat. When that defense has to make a plan about good things happen in 12 year old baseball. Why are you so fearful? Step out on faith. You hit great in batting practice. These boys just light it up. I pitched to them, and they hit the ball great, and they get in the game, and they're scared of success. Why are you so fearful? Where's the trust? His disciples were firsthand witnesses to the miraculous, but because of his love, because of his grace and mercy, he corrected them or rebuked them and said, "Oh ye of little faith, where's your faith? Where's our faith? Hmm. You've seen it from the past. Because I'm in your boat, have faith in me. I noticed how he got onto him for the lack of faith. And, and, and then finally it says he arose. In Drew's word, he stood up. He stood up in the middle. In the middle of the storm, Jesus stands up wow he gets on to them for the lack of faith but then he stands up he scolded them, he corrected them but then he got up he got up can I tell you when God stands up for you what shall we fear <laughs> there's nothing to be fearful of when Jesus stands up for you Romans eight thirty one. what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us God is rising up for His people. God's rising up to calm the storms that's coming along in our lives. God will rise up for each and every one of us that's here in this building tonight or watching on Facebook. When the storms of life are coming, God's going to stand up for us. Just stay in the boat. Just stay in the boat. If we only stay in the boat and call out to Him, He's going to stand for us. He's going to stand for us. He's going to stand for us. He's going to rebuke the winds and waves. He's going to rebuke the devourer. He's going to speak peace into our situation. He's going to comfort you in your time of need. If we just remember whose boat you're in. We follow Jesus to the boat. That's where I come up with my sermon title. Give it all to Jesus. Because we try our best to do it all by ourselves. She was singing this other song tonight, and I thought to myself, that was a better song for this sermon. God knew what he was doing. We sometimes forget we have the master of the universe in our boat with us at all times. We need to give it all to Jesus. Matthew eight twenty seven. so the men marveled, saying, who can this be? That even the winds and the sea obey him. I tell you, after the storm, after the problems, after the situations, we're going to do just like the disciples did. If we'll let Jesus stand up in the middle of our problems, we'll be marveling. Look what God did in my life again. We've been praying for a new car. Not a new car, but a different car. And the Lord blessed us this past week with a different car. And I thought, okay, get all the numbers right, this, 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 this. We're going to get this. And almost immediately... I was ashamed of myself, like, you didn't give thanks to God yet. It just been a couple minutes, but all of a sudden, it just quickened my heart. I need to be thankful. He's in my boat. He's taking care of me right now. He stood up for me right here. He saved this car for me. Praise the Lord. Wow. We're going to be saying, look what the Lord has done. The one that spoke to your problem. And it had to bow down to his authority. Look at what God's done. Give it all to Jesus. I want you to sing, not that song, but this one song before. What was the song before that? It is well. Sing that song to us. Tonight, I want you to stand. You don't have to come to the altar. I just want you to stand and worship God. He's in your boat. He knows what's going on. He's going to take care of you. Just take some time to worship him tonight.